0: peace everybody welcome back to another episode of behold pop culture the show where we take a look at some prominent people figures and events from pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from them the date of this recording is sunday june the 20th and the world continues to be treated with plenty of playoff basketball extravaganza with more music on the horizon being released, and now with the plethora of games announced for E3, the gaming conference, there are plenty of great games on the way. So without further ado, we'll recap everything that has gone on in the past week in the world of pop culture. And we'll start off with sports where LaMelo Ball winning Rookie of the Year was fairly minor when compared to all the things that took place with the playoff series that ended over the past week. And we have to begin with none other than the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Milwaukee Bucks, where after leading by two wins, the Brooklyn Nets were looking like they were easily going to seal the deal. But without James Harden, they needed every bucket from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to make sure they kept the Milwaukee Bucks at bay. So when the Milwaukee Bucks stole a game in Game 3, the Brooklyn Nets and their fans didn't bat an eye. They knew that they had an easy path to going up 3-1 if they could just trust two of the best scorers in the league hands down to put points on the board against a Bucks team that was relying way too much on Giannis Antetokounmpo being their main playmaker and holding the ball at the top of the paint while the other team knew he couldn't shoot the ball. Blake Griffin, who has never been a great defender, was looking like a defensive player of the year simply by lagging and sagging off of Giannis Antetokounmpo, letting him shoot threes, and then contesting whenever Giannis would try to drive to the basket. Unfortunately, in Game 4, Kyrie would go down with an ankle injury, and the Brooklyn Nets, who were far from prepared from letting just Kevin Durant shoulder the offensive load, crumbled. In the face of a chance to be up 3-1, Durant was missing everything. His teammates looked like they couldn't buy a basket. And the Milwaukee Bucks capitalized on an opportunity to completely change the state of the series. And this would lead them into Game 5, where Giannis Antetokounmpo continued to be baited by Blake Griffin. And Chris Middleton tried to shoulder some of that offensive load, but Kevin Durant came out and was determined to show the world that he's not just one of the best scorers today, but that he's one of the greatest scorers to ever touch a basketball. So Durant, even though his team was down in the first half, came out in the second and had an absolute monstrous performance ending with 49 points and displaying such a level of offensive dominance that the Bucks just could not keep up with the scoring. He looked like the basket was as wide as the ocean, and he continued to hit shot after shot after shot and willed his team into a 3-2 position with the chance to end the series in Game 6. But the Bucks fans were not having it. The Bucs went back home. Giannis finally exercised his strength in the paint, bullied Blake Griffin, bullied Kevin Durant, and created so many open opportunities for his teammates Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton that Durant, alongside a hobbled James Harden, could not keep up with the pace. And this led to the most eventful game of the week, the Game 7 between the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks, where they faced off, both teams putting on offensive masterclasses, Durant, once again putting up a 40-point performance. Giannis, himself countering with a 40-point performance, accompanied by his 10-plus rebounds and a great defensive performance. And in the end, Durant hit an amazing shot to take his team into overtime against the Bucks. But in the last seconds of the game, the Bucks were up by two points. Kevin Durant had the ball, With a chance to tie, but seemingly exhaling with a sense of exhaustion written all over his face, Durant came down with Drew Holiday draped all over him on defense and airballed the shot to tie the game. So with that, the Milwaukee Bucks have advanced to the conference finals despite the very valiant effort from Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. But not too far away from Brooklyn, New York, where this series would end, we traveled to Philadelphia, where Joel Embiid, alongside Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris, took on the Atlanta Hawks in a Game 7 where everyone felt like somehow, some way, the energy was not right for the 76ers. In this series, Joel Embiid was hobbled by a partially torn meniscus that had been preventing him from truly dominating the way he did in the regular season. I'll harken back to one of my earlier podcasts. I predicted that this season, his play style would be eerily reminiscent of a young Shaquille O'Neal. The way that Joel Embiid could physically dominate most any center In the NBA today. But with an inability to truly jump the way he wanted to, move the way he wanted to up and down the court, he was reduced to mainly a jump shooter who scored many baskets off of putbacks and blown defensive adjustments. But even so, Joel was still able to put up 30 points here and there. The real problem in this series came down to a young man by the name of Ben Simmons, who had largely been viewed as a penetrating big who had the facilitation ability to run at point guard and could defend anyone on the court. This was a man who was up for a defensive player of the year, just narrowly beat out by Rudy Gobert. This is a former rookie of the year. This is someone who people often joked about employing the hacker shack method too, but somehow all the jokes came to fruition in this series. As Ben Simmons was constantly turning away from open opportunities to score, as Ben Simmons shot a god-awful 34% from the free throw line, the worst free throw percentage ever in the NBA playoffs. Yes, you heard that correctly. His defense was great, but his offensive inability to be effective was so detrimental to the team where the Hawks were able to easily hack him and send him to the free throw line knowing at best he would make one that it just prevented the Sixers from ever getting into full sprint, full offensive dominant mode where they could seal this series. Going into Game 7, the fans hoped and prayed that Ben Simmons would take advantage of the opportunities. That Joel Embiid could carry them to the promised land. That they could stop players like Kevin Herter, John Collins, and Danilo Gallinari from looking like Steph Curry's and Clay Thompson's all over the floor. But unfortunately for Philly fans, what resulted was a game that was close to the very end. But Trey Young was able to get the job done when he needed to, scoring a timely three while Kevin Herter got a very timely foul on a three-point shot. And the Sixers just did not have the offensive firepower to get back in it at the end. And the Eastern Conference now has a conference finals of the Atlanta Hawks taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. On the other coast, we watched the Phoenix Suns easily dispose of the Denver Nuggets, while the Clippers and Utah Jazz had a much more intriguing series. The Jazz had seemed to be in control of the series, lighting up the Clippers from the three-point range. But with Kawhi Leonard going down... To a torn ACL, the Clippers were left with Paul George and his supporting cast. And this seemed like the end. But as it just seems like the injury bug has been making its way around the playoffs, Donovan Mitchell would join Kawhi Leonard on the injured list. Though not as catastrophic, Donovan Mitchell continued to play, though he was significantly less of a contribution to the team so the clippers struck while the iron was hot as paul george shook off his nickname playoff p delivering back-to-back great performances filled with their fair share of scoring barrages but in the end in game 6 with the clippers up 3 to 2 what became the x factor that allowed the Los Angeles Clippers to advance to their first ever conference finals was an unsung hero. Terrence Mann, off the bench for the Los Angeles Clippers, exposed a massive issue with Utah Jazz Defensive Player of the Year, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, might I add, Rudy Gobert. The Clippers exposed his lack of mobility by placing Terrence Mann as a sitting duck in the corner. Rudy Gobert was forced to switch on to him, but remained in the paint. Because Gobert is so slow laterally to adjust to a guard rushing to the basket and also too slow... To fully commit to jumping out to the jump shot, Rudy Gobert had the mobility of a statue that night. As Terrence Mann stood in the corner and the Clippers took their sweet time swinging the ball to him, presenting more open three-pointers than he's ever seen in his life, leading him to put up 37 points, more points than he's ever scored in college nor the NBA. So the Jazz that were trying to be led by a hobble Donovan Mitchell were sent home. Gobert had to really reconsider his defensive role on the team as he was so heavily targeted and ultimately exploited for the Los Angeles Clippers. And we now have a series of the Phoenix Suns taking on the Los Angeles Clippers for a trip To the NBA Finals. So all that is left. Is for me to offer my prediction. As I will now present to you. That the NBA Finals matchup. That I am presently anticipating. Is the Phoenix Suns. Taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. And while I will be rooting for the Phoenix Suns. To win it all. Something tells me that the Milwaukee Bucks are a couple more Giannis vintage dominant performances away from Giannis Antetokounmpo hoisting up a NBA championship trophy in one hand and the finals MVP in another. But alas, my finals prediction is more appropriate once the two teams are set and the conclusion of this section can allow us to proceed to the music section of the podcast, where the Migos raised some eyebrows as they released a deluxe version of their album in a way that I and all of the music I've witnessed in my life have never seen before. Not only did they extend the album with a few more songs, but they released three more versions of the album, one for each member of the Migos. And what these versions were, were rearrangements of the songs allegedly by each member of the Migos. So Quavo had Quavo's way of arranging the songs, Offset had Offset's way, and Takeoff had Takeoff's way. And as much as I have serious respect For the Migos and their impact on the music game, they came in hard and heavy and really shook up the world of trap music when they entered. I have to critique this move because it seems like a blatant attempt to make a move that is not at all influenced by the quality of music alone, but instead an attempt to grab these number one spots on the charts. And while I respect the ability to form a marketing scheme that is built to do that, this is somewhat unnecessary to me. It's forcing people to go back and listen mostly off of intrigue. And in addition to that, I rarely go back and I'm listening to a bunch of deluxe versions of songs. So it almost seems like they keep these throwaway songs just to put on the deluxe versions to boost the numbers of the albums. And if this was a valid strategy, if I had seen the impact of that being that they would reemerge into music conversations, reemerge with truly high quality singles on these deluxe projects that had people talking, I would stand down on the critique. But oftentimes, it's just to get that extra few listens squeezed out rather than ensuring that their best work is put on display. I am not a fan of the deluxe albums being a play for streams. In my opinion, deluxe songs should be viewed more so as a collector's edition reward. Something where you get the regular project, but maybe it comes out way down the line Or maybe you can only get it if you buy the physical copy of the album. This will make it significantly more valuable as people will be able to look back and say, hey, I contributed to my favorite artist's careers. And out of me contributing was me getting reward from it. Songs that were actually very well put together, lots of thought put into these tracks to reward fans would be an ultimate reward for contributing to these artists' careers. Instead, we often find ourselves in situations where the deluxe songs are forgotten, disregarded, just viewed as a marketing ploy rather than putting the artist's best foot forward. The Migos just released theirs, Polo G just announced that his on the way. I am advocating for us to put to bed the deluxe album marketing ploy. I have strong disbelief that it works well enough for all these artists to be following each other one after another. Just put out your best music. No one is faulting you for that. No one is begging for a deluxe. Show the value in your music. Meanwhile, an artist who seems to really get the value in being confident in your art and taking hold of the reins of your project is titled a creator the man who most recently won the Hip Hop Album of the Year Award from the Grammys for his album Igor, one of the best produced albums of that year, an album filled with smooth sampling, the most memorable song by many being Earthquake, and an album that was critiqued by DJ Khaled for not being your typical radio grab. And Tyler, the creator, seems like he will continue down that path of being his own artist who relies on his own creativity with his next project scheduled to come out this week. He released the single lumberjack and immediately announced he's dropping. See this, this album announcement is something I can get behind. Let the music speak for itself. After months of laying low, come out, tell everyone I've been working on something. Give us a teaser clip like he did Drop a single and say the album is coming next week. Be there or be square. Everyone who is interested will find time to get to it and there will be no dispute nor complaints as to whether or not the project will come out. It seems like everything is in place for the release and fans can get what they were looking for. Meanwhile, a certain very popular artist... Might I say one of the biggest artists today made an announcement last December that his album was coming out in January. An album that was heavily anticipated, an album that was claimed to be delayed by a basketball injury. We are now in the month of June, almost July, and we have not heard a single from the album. We have not heard a new release date, nor have we heard what I would deem to be a legitimate apology. This is not a knock on that artist. This is a knock on the planning that took place with that album. We need to demand better planning out of our artists and let the music speak for itself. That's the theme of this episode today. Let the art speak for itself. Hearing that Drake's album was going to be released in a month did not make me feel like the experience was going to be any better. But this long, six-month dragged-out wait does increase the pressure in my mind on this project being good. Because if you release something trash, I'm going to feel played as a fan. All this time was put into it. It's giving off the appearance like it's in the factory being polished. And it just demands that it has to be something great. Meanwhile, Tyler, the creator, will be cut some slack. He's simply saying, this is what I've been working on. This is my art expression. You can like it or you cannot. And you can't fault him for going down that path. I would even go as far as to say that I would prefer a surprise album over this rollout that Certified Lover Boy is undergoing. But if the album is great, I'll be right here on Behold Pop Culture and praise it as it would deserve. The album, not the marketing plan behind it. Luckily, an industry that has been going under its own issues with regards to moving dates is seeming to be on track to returning to its full potential. And that is the gaming industry, as the E3 Gaming Conference concluded with several great games to look forward to. The main big ones were Halo, Battlefield, Mario Party, Mario Golf, Pokemon, Far Cry. The list is endless. There were plenty of great games that looked to be on the horizon as 2022 is the target date. A date where hopefully more consoles are in people's homes. A date where hopefully these games are more polished a date where hopefully the developers are not forced to stay up 18 plus hours a day just to meet the deadline, the industry is trying to get back on track and truly move into the next generation of gaming. While I could speculate on games like Pokemon Unite, the new MOBA announced to be coming out eerily reminiscent of League of Legends but with Pokemon or Battlefield that look like Warzone but in an improved, more dynamic environment, it would be to no gain because I, like many gamers before, have been bamboozled by trailers and I would not want to bamboozle you by relying too heavily on a trailer to formulate my opinion. But I can recommend that if you are a gamer, just looking at an article or two Checking out a trailer or three will be worth your time on looking at what is on the way. True game reviews and discussions will have to wait until these games are released. And I'll be right back here to talk with you about it as we conclude this episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you taking your time out. I'm still finding ways to improve the podcast to make sure that I hit on every piece of news that I believe you will find relevant to you in your life. Please let me know if you think there are any ways that I can make this a better audio experience for you. And I'll talk to you next week. This is Behold Pop Culture.